1: Good morning, my dear friends, to all our dear audience on KNUS 710 AM or via podcast. I welcome all of you. This morning, we shall interact first by waking up, praising God. If you're sad, allow God to put a joy, a smile on your face. If you're married, give a good and warm greeting to your wife or to your husband. Give a good warm morning hug or welcome to your children and to all those who live with you and do me a favor it's okay to turn on your radio at 9:30 a.m on sunday morning and contact friend so they can join in as well next of course let us warm up the day by being nice to each other and by being nice to the lord this is father andre and good holy sunday morning with god good holy sunday morning my dear brothers and sisters and my dear friends Lord, open my lips and my mouth will proclaim your praise. The Lord is risen. Hallelujah. It's such a beautiful season and this holy season of uh, the glorious resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. With Psalm 68, we pray, O God, be gracious and bless us and let your face shed its light upon us. So will your ways be known upon earth and all nations learn your saving help. The Lord is risen. Hallelujah. So let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. For the Lord is risen. Hallelujah. Let the nations be glad and exalt, For you rule the world with justice. With fairness you rule the peoples. You guide the nations on earth. For the Lord is risen. Hallelujah. Let the people praise you, O Lord. And God, let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its fruit, for God our God has blessed us. May God still give us his blessing till the ends of the earth revere him. The Lord is risen, hallelujah. The Lord is risen, hallelujah. Glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and will be forever. Amen. My dear brothers and sisters, we continue on um, this morning and dear guests and dear beautiful friends and those who are listening to us, um, whether live or via the podcast, um, um, for this beautiful episode. It is Sunday, May fifteenth, and uh, we are doing a special, beautiful episode with Dr. Linda Royale, a professor of journalism, an author, and one of the few worldwide known to be a pro-life researcher, actually. In the context of the Mississippi State abortion case of Dobbs v. Mississippi of December of 2021, Dr. Linda's research was used by the attorneys arguing for Mississippi to prove that the Roe v. Wade decision was fraudulent because Justice Blackman was a newly appointed Supreme Court justice who had never written an opinion on any justice case in the Supreme Court, was sought out by Lawrence Ladder, a journalist and professor at the New York University and um, he has given the Supreme Court justice fraudulent information. Dr. Linda Royal, good Holy Sunday morning to you.
2: Good early Sunday morning to you as well, Father. It's good to be with
1: you. Thank you so very much. People loved your episode um, last time. I know we want to cover a um, um, uh, lot of information about Roe versus Wade, about abortion, about pro-life, about uh, pro-choice. You know, I, and, I'm, and I'm promising myself and the listeners that today you're going to be unpacking much more information on the issue of this leak in regard to the U.S. Supreme Court decision on abortion in, in the case of Roe versus Wade. Dr. Linda, what what is this leak about? What is this leak, if you may?
2: Well, political pundits on both sides of the fence are attributing it to uh, various political reasons, but I'm not too certain that it has to do with politics. As much as it has to do with uh, people in very high places desiring to federalize Our government. You know, one of the very first promises Joe Biden made after being elected president was he said he would see to it during his tenure that abortion was federalized. And I have covered every abortion case that's gone through the Supreme Court uh, since he took office as a journalist uh, on on site at the court in D.C. I've covered these. And something that is predominantly different. About these arguments in in the court, the abortion arguments, is that the Solicitor General of the United States, Elizabeth Pregelar, is the person who is arguing the cases. What we're looking at now, and this, I I don't know if this is a precedent that's been said in the past, the legal experts I've spoken with say it has not happened in the past, that the federal government is arguing on behalf of a particular political ideology. And in this case, they're arguing for uh, the legalization of abortion at the Supreme Court level when the states are saying it is our right to legislate under the Constitution the way we are. They're not only arguing in the court about the particular legislation, but they're arguing about the state's rights to do that. And that's where we're on a really slippery slope right now, Father André.
1: I see. You know, th- there have been some, uh, um, some articles, um, I do believe, in the Washington Post um, earlier um, this week, um, I believe. Um, there was some type of an article saying that they found the Supreme Court the clerk, basically, who leaked uh, uh, a ruling to Wall Street traders. Um, you know, um, I do not know if you are acquainted with that, but it seems like the speculation I do not want to talk too much about it because i 'm um, sure as the law and the investigation goes on, um, we will know more. but it seems that uh, um, somebody was working in the Supreme court as a clerk left in one thousand nine hundred and nineteen in, in, uh, um, in two thousand and nineteen it seems if i 'm not mistaken, um, and then um, there is a leak about the um, o- opinion. Um, uh, the draft opinion by, by Justice Samuel Alito Jr., I do believe, to overturn Roe versus Wade. Um, and I do believe some senators, some congressmen, have waited on the, suge- on, on the actual uh, leak. Like, for instance, Senator Teddy Cruz from Texas has suge- suggested that one of the law clerks for Justice Sonia Sotomayor uh, is the most likely suspect without, uh, um, as he admits, um, um, scintilla of evidence. Others, again, without any proof, see Justice Clarence, Thomas's wife, the right-wing activist Virginia, Jeannie Thomas, as um, the, the culprit, basically. So there are speculations. Again, we're saying just like uh, things are, are being... Um, Let out given uh, from the history From the history um, Of the Supreme Court It doesn't seem this was the first leak Actually to happen in a Supreme Court Uh, It seems any time we have A major decision to happen in the US That ends up in the hands of the Supreme Court Justices um, A leak happens um, and, And somehow And I like what you said It may not be political necessarily It is an ideology isn't it
2: Yes I believe that is true And when we look back at the history of things like this happening, uh, and we're trying to determine who did it, what we really need to look to is motive and opportunity. Who would have the motive to do it? What might that motive be? And what, who would have the opportunity? Well, the people with the greatest opportunity to do this are the clerks. I have friends who have worked as clerks for Supreme Court. I have a student who's working as a clerk for Supreme Court. I promise she
1: didn't do it. <laughs> yeah, and again, <laughs> we want to be very careful. I, I, and I definitely we do not adopt um, any of the speculations, including mm-hmm. Senator Cruz's speculation. But uh, um, things are being written. Sometimes they'll be taken out of context uh, um, and, and somehow. Um, but even even the identity of the leaker, it seems it's a part of the conspiracy. Isn't it? We may never find out the true legal in this in this situation. Is that right?
2: And I'm not sure that the motive or the identity is that important to the issue. What we're looking at is a shift in our way of governance in the United States. If when a, when something when the federal government doesn't like a decision or even a potential decision or even the you know narrative about what the decision may be coming out of the Supreme Court. The Senate and the House quickly rushing to create a new law to take the place of a president already established uh, for the states under the Constitution. Uh, so it is, like I said, a slippery slope. Uh, I I think everything needs to be put to call to a halt until we truly have the final decision from the court. We, well, we need to wait for that final
1: opinion. Absolutely, and I, and I do believe also, most likely uh, such a leak or any type of leak when it comes um, from, from such an honorable and big uh, institution, um, like uh, M- Melissa Murray, for instance, a law professor at a New York University, it is quoted, I do believe, in the New York Times, um, said the developments could only damage the court's stature. And this is what we as American people have to pay attention to, right? We do not let We do not need, we must not allow anybody to damage the U.S. Supreme Court's stature. Is that right?
2: Well, that's correct. Once we began to knock away the pillars of our Constitution, you know, uh, but the fourth state of the Constitution is journalism, right? Right. We have already lost journalism. So we're already crumbling, correct? Then you have the House and the Senate and uh, the Supreme Court and the office of the president, yeah, you know, so if, if we take away <clears throat> the power of any one of those and move it outside the parameters of of their uh power that they were given as we formed this country, then we we are totally reinventing our system of governance. Uh-huh. And and we look at this issue, why is this this issue the hot button issue of the United States and has been since really the nineteen sixties? We have to ask ourselves the
1: question, why is that? You know? Well, the, 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 the most important part at this point, and I think it's much more important than the leak itself, is that, that uh, earlier this week as well, and it is reported all over the media, that the uh, U.S. Senate actually blocked a bill that would make Roe v. Wade a law and to expand, to expand the, the Roe v. Wade in a way that even the Supreme Court will find it almost impossible to overturn Roe v. Wade. Would you like to tell us a little bit about that? Uh, um, first of all, it's a landmark. Um, that, that the U.S. Uh, Senate uh, basically um, um, refused or rejects, I do believe the votes were 51 to 49, um, if I'm not mistaken, um, vote against moving the legislation forward, which is to give even more, um, more authority, I believe. Um, to the Supreme Court decision of 1973 in such a way that it becomes a U.S. law approved by the uh, United States Congress, uh, and then it'll be very hard for anybody to overturn Roe v. Wade. That decision failed on Wednesday, I believe, uh, of this past week. This is a month of May, it's a month of the Virgin Mary. Can you connect the dots, Dr. Linda? Well, any any decision that
2: infringes upon the personal rights of people. And upon the rights of states under the republic, under the way our government is constructed, we are a republic of states. And that means that every state is sovereign and can make its own laws under the framework of the Constitution. And then the litmus test becomes, is it constitutional or not constitutional? not what this political party believes might be needed or what this other political party believes might not be needed, but rather what the people with their personal rights and what the states with their rights of governance governance determine will suit the rights of the people who are the citizens of their states. And that's the that's the foundation of our entire government. And if we transgress that, we have lost we have lost this country, basically When you think of the other things that this can be applied to, any law that preserves our personal rights or the rights of states will then be subject to being federalized and written into law based on uh, the political preferences of the particular uh, administration that's in place. That's what we're seeing right now is an attempt to do that, an attempt to actually remove our rights under the Constitution of this
1: United States. It's very scary. It is a scary. I, you mentioned the word, any type of government institution or um, whatever else of an institution, when they try to touch the individual right of the person, of an American citizen. And that's important. Can you educate us a little bit more as an investigative journalist, as a researcher, um, expert researcher on pro life which also makes you and, and somehow um, a lady who cares for women 's health for the baby's health for the um, uh, for the human rights in general for the right to choose as well i guess uh, for freedoms in general. can you tell us w- what is this individual right w- why is america important place to fight for the right of the individual
2: well first of all uh Roe v. Wade and the decision on Roe v. Wade came under the 19th part of the First Amendment, which is about personal freedom. And it says that uh, a woman has a right to her own personal freedom and her own privacy. It's really under the privacy portion of that amendment. She has a right to privacy of her her medical person, of what happens to her medically, the choices that she makes medically. So that was the beginning premise of Roe v. Wade. But at the time Roe v. Wade went through the court system, we knew nothing about what's called vitiology, or in other words, the study of the infant in vitro in the womb. We assumed, the viability standard that you just talked about was assumed at that point, back in uh, 1969, when this was written, 1970, it was assumed that a baby wasn't a baby until it could live outside the mother's womb. Of course, now uh, science has shown us, and this is something where we really need to look at the science. Science has shown us that the baby is viable even before 24 weeks. Uh, Babies have been delivered a month earlier than that and still lived outside the mother's womb. And we also know that they are fully formed with fully formed nervous systems and heartbeats and uh, forming brains by the time their heart begins to beat, which is at about nine weeks, nine to 12 weeks. We have, the the fetus is viable as a human being. Before then, they're a human being. (laughs) They are, from the moment of conception, of course, but we still haven't resolved, and this is as of the last spin through court, the Mississippi case, we still haven't resolved the issue of viability. No one has come forward with the science to help us determine what the word viability even means and when, the, when we should consider the fetus as an individual with its own rights under the Constitution.
1: D- Dr. You Linda, may, may, I, may I interrupt you in mentioning something? There is, there is a matter of viability, again, we spoke about it last week, the three elements, mm-hmm. the viability uh, and also a precedence, right? To, um, to set precedence or to have a precedence. And the third element is the public opinion, the public opinion. I think, I think, but correct me if I'm mistaken, there is a public opinion in the U.S. that in somehow the disclosure of a draft opinion that would overrule Roe versus Wade, um, according to many legal experts, and again, this is reported in the New York Times earlier this week, uh, it is almost an evidence that the court is not much different from any other Washington institutions. And, and, And for us Americans, the Supreme Court is a sacred institution, is a very sacred institution. Do you have any comments about the New York Times opinion that basically based on legal experts, you know, the Supreme Court is another Washington institution? What do you think about that? Well, during this
2: Mississippi case, something that several of the justices, including some of the more uh, liberal justices, were saying, we are at risk of becoming a political institution. And we be, when we become a political institution, we cease to exist in our original form, in fact. And that is true. And this was, uh, let's see, Justice Alito is one of the ones who talked about that. And let's see, I'm looking at my article on that actually. Um, And Justice Roberts also talked about the politicization, the uh, the Chief Justice Roberts talked about how we we have to avoid making decisions based upon a political ideology, that we are here to represent the rights of the people. And when when that is taken out of the hands of the court, through legislation made by the federal government, then the Supreme Court has become political and it has lost its purpose. And we, as Americans, have lost our freedom and our democracy very much, very, very quickly. Well
1: said, Doctor. I, I, love, I love your uh, um, response. Um, um, I was reading back in May um, 11, there's there this uh, comment um, by Adam Liptak, I believe. Um, something that he says... Those who know don't talk, end quote. Um, and um, Justice Ruth um, Bader Ginsburg used to say what he said, and those who talk don't know. So it's a quote from Justice Ruth, basically. Those who know don't talk, and those who talk don't know. So it's almost like um, in a Supreme Court, Really, those who know, they do not talk. So the decision is in the hands of those who do not know. But definitely um, uh, the the court appears being being attacked um, so it will be politicized. Is that right? It's being attacked. Do you think this phenomenon started during when President Trump... Um, was president, and then the liberals were fighting him so much because he appointed two uh, supreme justices, and now the current president's, uh, president appointed um, uh, another supreme justice. Um, and do you think the two administrations in the last uh, uh, six years or, or so um, played a role in politicizing or were a factor in politicizing the Supreme Court or facilitating this attack, or in general, there is a history of possible leaks from the Supreme Court under any administration and somehow?
2: Well, I don't, I don't think uh, this has to do with the conservative justices or the liberal justices as far as that goes, because I've, I've, been, I've been in court, I've been listening uh, to the last four uh, Roe v. Wade cases, challenges that have been through the court. I was there listening in person. And it seems to me that the new conservative justices aren't saying much. They're not contributing much to these opinions, nor are the newer uh, liberal ones. It's the old school ones. It's the ones who have been around for a while. In this case, Justice Alito is standing up and saying, this is wrong. Justice Roberts is the one who said, we are becoming politicized. We must avoid that at all costs for the American people. We have to avoid this. So I think I I go back to this thing about the Solicitor General of the United States who is under the Attorney General and the President. The President has to order the Solicitor General to go and argue against the states. And he's been doing that with every abortion case. This is Biden. Every abortion case that's gone through the court since Biden has been in office, he has sent the Secretary General to to argue that case on behalf of the federal government. It's like... The federal government versus the state and its people. That's what we're looking at right now. And I think we need to look at that. That precedent right there is what's causing the politicization. It's not anything the court is doing. It's what the federal government is. The federal government is basically trying to take over the Supreme Court. They really are.
1: They really are. And this is dangerous. I, I, we have to pray. We have to pray for the supreme justices, for their conscience, right, for the real freedom, um, uh, if I may tell you. We have a few uh, minutes um, um, or, or so uh, to finish. But uh, if, if the Supreme Court is protected from, let's say, um, a leak, but the Supreme Court could be cheated, it seems, and this is your thesis uh, about Roe versus Wade, that the Supreme Court actually was cheated in 1971 to 1973. And this is a story of uh, Lawrence Lader, if I'm not mistaken. So could the Supreme Court be protected against the fraud?
2: Well, it has to be. Not just should be, it has to be. Um, I was just looking back at my notes from uh, this last case. Justice Breyer, who is a liberal, by the way, uh, was accused the press accused him of playing into the hands of the conservatives and it's because of a statement he made during uh, the Mississippi session and he reflected that this was the first time the court had considered disturbing the politically charged viability line and he, he uh, talked about uh, former President Hamilton, he said it's Hamilton's point, no purse, no sword, and yet we have to have public support, and it comes primarily from people believing that we do our job. The problem with a super case like this, a watershed case, where people are really opposed on both sides, and they really fight each other, is that they're going to be ready to say, no, you're just political. You Supreme Court justices are just being politicians, and that's what will kill us as an American institution. When you get a case like this, you better be damn sure, pardon the French, who said it, I'm quoting directly. Any stare decisis over rulings are really there in spades. And what a stare decisis ruling is, is something that respects the way things have always been.
1: May God bless you, Dr. Linda. Um, this really, really makes us uh, very proud of your research. You're very objective and uh, you do not hurt anybody. Uh, You are a lady who wants to protect faith, family, freedom, the objectivity of the law and definitely the conscience of the people. You want the conscience of the people to be as illuminated as possible for their own sake, for our own sake. So we don't get, we don't become victims of confusion because confusion is from the devil, is not from God. Uh, I would love again to um, meet with you and uh, how about we um, thank God, our divine father, we give him praise and we give him glory that all the children of the earth uh, will shout, we tell him, Holy God, mighty God, God immortal, you are adored and you have mercy on us, O oh Lord. May Almighty God bless us all, protect us from all evil, and bring us all to everlasting life. Amen.
0: Thanks for joining us today for Good Sunday Morning with Father Andre. Father Andre and his team rely on your prayers and generosity to help feed over 5,000 families in Lebanon every month. Go to missionofhopeandmercy.org to learn more. Your support helps buy supplies from local farms and factories, employ truckers to ship the food, all to let these families know they are not forgotten. Go to missionofhopeandmercy.org and donate today and join us next week at 9.30 a.m. for Good Sunday Morning with Father Andre.